This is Who She Knows, a podcast produced by She Knows Media. And this is your host, Elisa Camahort-Page, Chief Community Officer for She Knows Media. Today, we'll be talking to a couple of teen girls to hear about their involvement in the She Knows Media Hatch program, which is all about hearing from Gen Z, that's teens and tweens, and listening to them about their take on media, media literacy, digital citizenship, and how they're impacted by social and political issues. You can see them and others talk about all sorts of subjects on the She Knows Media Hatch YouTube channel. We're having a Hatch track for tweens and teens at Blogger 16 in just a few days, so we wanted to share a little bit more about it. So we're going to hear from Sadie and Cece, who are two of our Hatch kids. But first, we'll be talking to Samantha Ski, president of She Knows Media and the person who hatched the idea of Hatch. So Sam, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Elisa. So you hatched Hatch. This is kind of your, your baby, your brainchild. Can you tell me about well, what was the genesis of Hatch? What was the trigger that even made you think of doing something like this when She Knows Media has been a women's lifestyle media company and network? Why think about tweens and teens? Yeah, well, so it was actually um, amid a conversation about the word bossy that was going on online among mostly probably moms, women Mm -hmm. my age, women who either held on to the word bossy as a badge of honor or who felt that it was a demeaning term. Uh, But there's a lot of intense arguments over whether bossy was a good or bad thing for girls. And I felt like it would be really useful to hear from today's kids themselves. Because a lot of what we were all saying was like, this is damaging to young girls. It's damaging to their self-esteem to use this kind of language. And, you know, lo and behold, when we talked to a group of about 29-year-old girls and just asked them for their take on, you know, different language of leadership that was being used in their schools, on their playgrounds, they did all agree that bossy was a word that was used, you know, more aggressively, again, to to demean girls and that it was Mm -hmm. not as common to be um, used derogatorily towards boys. And they felt like they wouldn't want to be called bossy, that they love the concept of boss. But, But in the flow of that conversation, we just learned so much about what young girls think. And we found that watching the footage was really helpful to parents of girls who were interested in, in having these kinds of conversations with their kids. So we didn't intend to launch a program. We were just looking to dig a bit deeper into a topic that was of interest to the parents that we serve on She Knows. So the first time you did it, it was just a one-time mm-hmm. workshop. Yeah. yeah, we did one video and one workshop where we talked about the language we use to refer to leaders among us and our peer groups. And we produced a short video from that where we edited down sort of the most salient points that the girls made. And then we distributed it through the She Knows Network and found that it was really hitting a nerve with a lot of parents. And then we saw that, you know, we got a lot of coverage from other media outlets who felt like it was a a different thing to ask kids what they thought about certain language that was being used either to celebrate them or infringe upon them or whatever. So we thought maybe we're onto something. Like, And then, you know, we started talking to kids about um, gender and about self-esteem and about um, sexuality and race and really lots of sort of topics that were hard for parents to broach or that they wanted a little bit of guidance with. And we found that what the kids often had to say was so interesting, sometimes funny, sometimes heartbreaking, like sometimes 
scary. Like, oh God, <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. this is sort of terrifying to hear out of the mouth of, an, of a presumably innocent eight-year-old something that might be the foundation for hate in the future. And so it, it, we just found it so interesting to hear this unscripted um, discussion from kids. So then we turned it into a program because we found that there was a lot of demand for this kind of content among the parents we serve. So then it became the Hatch program, which is now monthly content. So were you, you were surprised at what the kids thought about and knew about and had awareness of beyond their years you had expected? Is, is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. So we started cultivating a group. There's a group of maybe like 25 teens and tweens. And I think as they got more comfortable with us, frankly, this wasn't something that we planned for, but as they got more comfortable, they just told us much more. They would talk mm-hmm. about drug use and, you know, um, uncomfortable sexual situations and uncomfortable and, you know, questions about their gender, things that I, I don't know that they would have given us or, you know, been comfortable sharing their first meeting. And then when we asked them, you know, would you feel comfortable if we shared this with a larger audience? They were all really... I think kind of flattered, but also felt a responsibility to share their own experiences with their peers. So there's something interesting going on with this demographic, obviously, of young people where if they can say it out loud, they don't seem to see that big of a difference between saying it out loud in a room and then, you know, publishing it to potentially millions of people. So there's the the degree to which, you know, our audience has taken a liking to this kind of discussion and used it as a template for having conversations with their kids was not something we expected. So we didn't expect that openness. We also didn't expect the kids to like being filmed so much but they love it it's really interesting like if you want to have a serious conversation with your kid about something it's really like set up a video camera it sounds crazy but they uh believe they're being treated as you know really as important people with important voices and important things to say and they think harder about their words i think and they really contemplate the topic at hand they don't just you know speak without consideration for the meaning of their words. And I think slowing down and considering the meaning of their words is not the worst thing for Gen Z. <laughs> uh, I agree. Do. But so the kids, I can totally get that kids of this generation, there's not that much difference to them. If you're going to say it in a room, you're going to say it on the internet. But did you have a hurdle to get over with the parents allowing it? Oh yeah. That's a whole different demo. Yes. I mean, with parents, um, you know, we're really lucky that a lot of the parents we work with are, are very interested in social justice and in sort of, you know, conversation around topics that might be um, off limits for more conservative parents elsewhere. Um, the parents we're dealing with are all pretty interested in social issues mm-hmm. themselves. So at the same time, they want their kids to be safe. They don't want them exploited. They don't want them overexposed. So it's been a really good process in terms of keeping the program and ultimately the product of Hatch in check that we have to screen it for parents before you know airing it essentially. So it's not the kids that you're worried about. They're like, ah, it's just another <laughs> video of me. <laughs> it's, you know, they're proud of it. If they're not proud of it, they don't seem to worry that much. But they're, uh, the parents are much more conflicted probably on um, the value of, of speaking freely online. And, you know, they get the idea that it's useful to the other parents who we serve and they see the commentary from other parents and they're proud of their kids for being so articulate and open and, and um, interested in expressing themselves. But there are plenty of parents who don't, didn't want their kids to participate because they wanted them, mm. they didn't want them exposed. They 
and once we opened up to some feedback that might not be positive. So the first workshop, I believe, was almost two years ago at this point. In those two years, like how have you and has She Knows Media like fine-tuned the program? And really, how does it integrate into what a women's media company does day to day? Yes, that's a great question. Because we at first, like first of us, none of us are film. We're, we're had experience in filmmaking, and um, lots of us had experience in working with kids, like as camp counselors. So it kind of had that air to it at first. A bunch of kids hanging out, talking around the campfire. But um, but we filmed way too much. Like we would film everything, and then sit there for hours and hours going through all this footage. We thought the kids were so interesting and authentic that we had tons of trouble editing it down into something useful. So we would like. We would spend days editing a, a video down to 16 minutes, which is about 10 minutes too long for the attention span of most of the people we're serving. So, and just it was just long. And you could get the same meat out of a video that was two minutes, and so that took us two years to learn how to do to get the the meat and the advice and the authentic back and forth between kids to get that down to a really small consumable unit of content that was still powerful. And that, that that's super hard. I think we'll always be trying to get better at that. So the editing is where we've learned a ton. We've also been able to get into much more serious subject matter. And um, we've learned kind of where a 12-year-old can have a conversation, where an 8-year-old can share an opinion. A 17-year-olds are blowing our minds. Like, we're actually like, writing notes, trying to be better humans, listening to what they have to say. Some of them who have just really, you know, thought hard about how to represent diversity and how to be a kind, thoughtful person. So, and then how it fits into a women's media company, you know, now, as, as you know, a founder thereof, we have the blog Her conference and we have Hatch Kids participating yep. in content creation there at our conferences. We have Hatch Kids producing content with us for parents every month. And we cover a range of topics. Most of them are within the realm of social issues. Again, the sticky stuff that parents might be uncomfortable confronting. But we've also, you know, we bought Hello Flow a few months ago, and that product focuses on teen girls in part and also women's health overall, which gives us another opportunity to like add a layer to what Hello Flow does by having this this community of strong um, tween and teen girls who are willing to share their opinions and, and collaborate on content. So it's really, we're mm-hmm. still producing content for adults, for grownups, and, you know, in this case for parents for the, for the most part, but the content is, you know, again, produced in collaboration with kids, which we think, we hope makes them slightly more responsible, accountable digital citizens eventually. So my last question is for you, Samski, the mom, mom of two. Um, what is the number one thing you've learned from just listening to the Hatch kids, including your own, but just as a mom and a woman? Yeah, that's hard because there's so much. Like, I think that the way you we sort of send out our kids into the world to be sort of responsible humans and citizens is they're further along than I understood, I guess. Like, they already have strong opinions at age seven, you know? They've wow. already decided that Trump is a butthead at age seven and already decided that, you know, they're keeping their maiden name or they're keeping their, you know, the, the, I mean, there are all these these things that they pick up that I guess I didn't catch that they were picking up, probably uh, because I work a lot. But there's so much good and, and maybe not so good 
context that's already in a lot of kids by the time they get to before the age of Instagram. So the idea of helping them to modulate and think through the way they express themselves once they have these platforms, which, you know, is, although the platforms and the publishing of their voice doesn't concern them, you know, as a mom, I, I do want my kids to think hard about who they might be hurting or helping with the language they use and the images they, they publish and the, you know, actions they take. So um, I guess it, it's both relieving on the side that I see how much the conversation helps them to think of different points of view, but uh, a little daunting on the, in terms of how mature they are by age seven or eight. Thank you so much for joining us on Who She Knows. It's great to hear. I've heard this story before, but it's always great to have like this singular focused time to hear how it all started and how it's been fine-tuned and developed over time. And as you say, we'll be doing a whole track of programming for tweens and teens at Block Her 16 next week. And we definitely find that the kids are super interested in that in real life interaction. So thanks again, Sam. It's great to talk to you. Thanks, Elisa. Okay, bye. Sadie and Cece, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. So you've been working in our Hatch program for a while now. I wanted to ask you just to start off, what have you discovered during this process, maybe about yourself or just about the internet, social media, and and all things digital? Sadie, like what has most uh, surprised you? What have you figured out that you didn't know when you started? I guess what surprised me most is just how a conversation that I feel I've been very well acquainted with, how it can evolve Mm -hmm. and change um, when you sit down and talk about it for two hours. (laughs) So with a little time, you find more insight, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It feels like I have all of these, you know, eureka breakthrough moments that Mm. I would never have had about, you know, myself or, you know, for example, body image or microaggressions. And I just think of them in a different vein than you do in real life. Sadie, can you think of like one specific Eureka? Can you think of one in particular that kind of was like mind blown? I guess what comes to mind is thinking about a girl's body image on social media Mm -hmm. and how I used to always think that when a girl posted a racy photo on Instagram, it was a negative thing. Um, And through these hatch videos and talking with my friends and getting these new perspectives, I've learned to realize that it can be about taking back your body or it can be about feminism and this Mm -hmm. whole new wave of feminism through expressing yourself and your body online. That's so interesting. Yeah, I always say as long as it's like your choice and your agency, right? I mean, there's a difference. Sometimes you can kind of feel, right? Whether it's coming from that place or another place. Cece, what about you? What's what's something that really surprised you or that you discovered about yourself or about your world on the internet or your friends? I generally feel like me and my friends have a lot of like very similar opinions mm. on things like this. But I think through Hatch, I've come to learn that, like, through the dialogues that we've had that, you know, there are a lot of differences in the way that we see things, even with what Sadie would just said. You know, there have been moments where Sadie and I have disagreed on certain things and then, you know, over the course of a discussion, have come to a certain understanding about, like, why we think the way we do. And not only have we been able to, you know, talk more about a certain topic, 
that we don't um, that we do talk about on a daily basis, but we don't always necessarily get to kind of like certain questions about why we're thinking that way or why we feel that way about it. Um, I think that for me would be something kind of like I've been able to explore more through Hatch videos. So Sadie, Cece just said that sometimes you guys disagree and that's good. It's good to have disagreements and it's good, good tension. So what's something you guys disagreed about? So there's a disagreement that I distinctly remember us having. It's a little bit weird, a little bit trivial, but it was over Beyonce's Instagram, which I do think also goes into the vein of what we're talking about right now, about social media. We were discussing whether or not the fact that Beyonce's Instagram photos were mostly all of her and even some repeats of her on the same day in the same outfit. And we were discussing whether or not this made her self-centered. And we ended up having this hour-long intellectual debate of quietly listening and then giving our points about whether or not this made Beyonce self-centered, her Instagram. And I think that even though it was a um, seemingly trivial matter, it was really interesting to hear. I, I was saying that I thought Beyonce was self-centered and Cece saying she wasn't. And I think that it tapped into a whole other world of social media image and the kind of stuff that we're talking about currently, even though this happened about two years ago. And it was us respectfully arguing with each other about what someone's social media image told about them. And so that was like a very interesting conversation. So Cece, do you remember that same disagreement? Yeah, I definitely will never forget that (laughs) disagreement. But I think that that had a lot of good tension because I know that like while we were talking about it, I was upset. We were getting very mad at each other. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that it was necessary because I think I've had some discussions at the end of this year about things that have been going on in my school. And um, I remember one discussion I had, this wasn't with Sadie, with a couple of boys at my school, was like with my high school advisor. And it was just very, you know, kind of moderated and kind of almost too nice that after it, I felt like nothing really came out of it. And, you know, the same stuff kept on happening. And sometimes I do think that it's necessary to have a little bit of heat in your argument, like with Sadie, because we were able to, in the end, you know, kind of come to an understanding. Maybe we don't have the same exact viewpoint, but we were able to both feel like we had gotten something done um, and not just felt like, oh, we were trying to be too nice and beat around Mm -hmm. the bush Mm -hmm. about what we were saying. And we were able to be very direct with each other. Yeah, I know this goes back a little bit on... This goes back on what I was saying before, but I do agree with Cece now that if someone pushes you, you can go ahead and push them right back because sometimes a little bit of that push and pull is exactly what you need to hear a conflicting side Mm -hmm. and have a great discussion about something and at the end come to terms. And I think that even though our conversation was ridiculous, a little bit um, because it was about Beyonce's Instagram. It was still really interesting. It was helpful to hear another side of my point of view and then in the end agree with Cece and have Cece agree with me. Can you think of an example of something that you always thought but hadn't really thought about why you thought it and then uh, this is going to be a convoluted sentence but then when you thought about why you thought 
the way you thought, <laughs> that you figured out, you know, that you were thinking more for yourself and your opinion kind of changed. Do you have an example like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that analyzing more of like the subconscious thoughts that we have. So when we were doing the Super Bowl um, commercial videos, I think that, you know, we see commercials all the time and they don't necessarily have such a grip on us because they're just commercials and we're not there for the commercials. Usually we're there for the actual show. But when we were able to sit down and discuss, you know, the way that you know women are portrayed in certain commercials and how that affects us and how that will affect you know the greater community without us really even knowing it that for me would have been my kind of like more deeper analysis mm-hmm. of our own subconscious thoughts so cc what do you do with that information once you feel like you're seeing things Um, Because this happens to me all the time, like once I see something, I can't unsee it. And once I see that this is like a sexist media trope, I I see it every time it's there and it sometimes lessens my (laughs) enjoyment of things. What's uh, something that has changed about the way you actually act or are in the world? I think the greatest thing to do is talk about it, just like continue you know, coming to Hatch videos if you're a part of that or if you're a part of um, friend groups where, you know, certain friends might say things that are kind of inappropriate or kind of hurtful to certain groups of people. Just speaking up and knowing that your voice is really important um, would be the main thing for me um, because you can't always do something like, I don't know, go on TV and stop the ads, you know, but you can talk about it and educate people in what ways are better to talk about certain things or what ways are the most productive to talk about certain things. Great. And Sadie, do you feel like you're bringing up conversations more often too and pointing things out? Yeah, I think through this, I've also discovered feminism in a way that I wasn't as aware of Mm -hmm. before Hatch because of our discussions. And I think that I brought that with me, you know, into my daily life and how I look at things and how I discuss them with other people. Uh So Sadie, do people ever push back either because of your age or because they don't agree with you or don't want to hear what you're saying? Do they ever give you a hard time about it? Well, I think that if it's a discussion, then it's easier to, you know, listen and respond. But I think that if I'm just bringing something up, there can be people who don't want to be taught something and then what can you do if they want to push back they can push back and I can move on Mm -hmm. but I mean Hatch is all about discussions and if someone isn't willing to have a discussion then there's not much you can do I mean that's very typical advice you know that if you can't I mean there's a point where civil discussion kind of devolves into someone not being able to have that kind of discussion and then yeah it's sort of like okay you you did your best right but Cece what about you have you ever gotten pushback when you're sort of talking in a different way or coming up with these new perspectives on things yeah I've definitely gotten pushback before and I think that a certain amount of pushback is good and it causes for a lot of really um, insightful and meaningful conversation because there is a certain amount of tension that does get you somewhere because without that, it becomes just a hallway conversation that's not as important as it could be without that tension there. Yeah, I think that's a really common thing people think happens, especially on the internet, is that you're in an echo chamber of people who all agree with you anyway. Um, and so, But it's also a great place to go 
find alternate views. It's like there's the whole world of alternate views for you, right? So you can always find the people who disagree and try to understand, I guess, to the point you both were making about how can we have conversation if we don't really talk it out and understand one another. So have you ever brought perspective or lesson from Hatch back to your parents, Cece, and like bring them into what you're learning about and changing in your thinking? I think I definitely have at times used a lot of the great discussions we've had at Hatch and a lot of the things I've learned from Hatch through watching a lot of these great videos that they show us. Um, And also just the questions that spur a lot of different, you know, talks amongst me and my friends. I've definitely brought that back home, but in a slightly different way, I think, because with my parents, um, not all the time do these conversations just naturally occur in the same way that they occur with me and my friends who mm-hmm. are going through these things on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, it's a little different. It's a little less natural and a little more artificial in the sense that if we are going to talk about it, we've had to have already had some kind of forum that like brought it up or just me talking about my day, things like that. Right. What about you, Sadie? I think that it can definitely lead to discussions mostly about social media because I think that's the newest form that these teens' discussions have taken that our parents aren't as familiar with. And we can have a discussion about how social media isn't just this virus that's taking over teenage lives. It can actually be a healthy and growing thing and it can be a positive thing that teenagers do. Um, and I think that those are the discussions that Hatch creates and that I bring back to my parents. Well, that's awesome because I totally understand people who are concerned, but I, I do think social media has brought a ton of good into people's lives in the world. What? Uh, so speaking of that, um, Sadie, what's your favorite platform? Where do you spend the most time? And how many accounts do you have on the web? So I only have one Instagram account. I don't have several accounts like a lot of people do. I don't find myself posting on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook that much, mostly Mm -hmm. looking through my friends' photos. I like Tumblr the most because you can enjoy it without any of those strings of friends and popularity and likes and caring about what to post. I can just follow accounts that post about books or TV shows that I like or people that I like and then I can just enjoy the pictures of that Um, and so it's like a stress-free way to enjoy social media. Oh that's interesting I never um, thought about that distinction around Tumblr I guess because I do see people reblog a lot so I thought that that was kind of a thing you might track if you were super into Tumblr. What about you, Cece? What's your favorite platform and how many different platforms are you on? I don't use so much social media, but I would say that my most heavily used social media account is Instagram. And I have two Instagrams. I have what you might have heard of. I have a real Instagram and a fake Instagram. A fake Instagram is pretty much your Instagram where it doesn't matter what you post. It's not really a space that you curate in the same way that you curate your real Instagram to have a certain aesthetic or something like that. It's really just a space where you post the stupid things that happen during your day that you don't really care about and nobody else really cares about that much, but it's kind of um, a less pressured place to be. Um, But my real Instagram account is definitely my 
most favorite and most heavily used um, social media account because I do feel that even though there are a lot of pressures with likes and followers and things like that, I really do find that if you are willing to, you can really express yourself um, through kind of curating your own space or putting up your own art. And it's a very flexible platform as well because you can have a business or something and you can post your things um, there or you can um, you know just be an artist and have your art there or you can just be a high school student and you know just show fun pictures from your life. So just to dig into your Instagram a little bit are both your Instagram and your Finstagram private only where you approve who follows you? My real Insta is public and my Finsta is private. That makes sense. Okay, I was going to ask, who gets to see the silly stuff that no one cares about? And it's really just people who know you very much personally in, in real life, I'm guessing. Yeah. Got it, got it. Well, girls, I just want to thank you so much, Sadie and Cece, for taking this time and talking to us today. You know, I often think that in school, they ought to be teaching more about like media literacy and digital literacy. I say that all the time. And you're the reasons why, because you're learning things and evolving how you think and sharing it out with the world and I think that's tremendous and I'm, I'm super impressed with you both so thank you so much for being with us today thanks thank so you. much for having us that's it for this episode of Who She Knows, a She Knows Media podcast. We still have tickets available for Blog Her 16 this weekend in Los Angeles, so please go to blogher16.eventbrite.com. I'm your host, Elisa Camahort-Page, Chief Community Officer at She Knows Media. Please tweet me at Elisa C or leave a message for us on the Blog Her or She Knows Media Facebook page. You can even email us at podcast at shenowsmedia.com. We want to hear from you. We'll be taking next week off so we can recover from Blogger 16, but we'll be back to you after that. So thanks so much for listening.